To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. You're building a rat ship here. A vessel for seagoing snitches. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. Because I say you are killing the very spirit this institution proclaims it instills. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sitting next to me. And I'm here to tell you, this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm or for friend requests and other things for uh, Facebook.com slash excuse me, Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. If you're looking to go that route, you can also find me on TikTok and of course on the YouTubes, uh, YouTube positive sarcasm and positive sarcasm podcast. I'm trying to clean it up this week. Recorded here once again from the spare parts studio with a little nice, uh, little nice polo and some cranberry uh, chinos and a plaited uh, sport jacket courtesy of Ralph Lauren. Uh, I've got my dog in the guest chair and um, he's asleep. But I am trying to clean it up this week since everybody else is completely losing their their uh, GD minds. Excuse me. I am uh, wanting to clean it up and show you what happens when, you know, some podcasters, instead of just throwing on a backwards hat and talking about something LeBron James said, which was completely idiotic, I would like to start off this podcast by reading a little 21st century uh, poetry, if you will. From our, lightest, from our latest and our greatest, I present to you a little modern-day poetry 
from uh, some of our most leading ladies. Uh, if, if you'll allow me. <clears throat> whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hole up. I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass pussy make that pull out game weak. Woo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you. F <laughs> yeah, you fucking with some wet ass pussy. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass pussy. Give me everything you got for this wet ass pussy. <clears throat> Beat it up, knit. Oh, okay, that's enough. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There is some modern day 21st century uh, literature courtesy of Cardi B. And I'm probably going to take these uh, eyeglasses off that I have right now because I can't see shit. So allow me to take these off and put these on top of my head. These are, uh, I think, bifocals for some 82-year-old. So uh, while that collects, I am just trying to clean it up here because I think people are losing their mind. Oh, sorry about that. I think people are losing their minds altogether. And I figured uh, be a solid voice of uh, non-emotional reason for a change. Considering last week I essentially screamed at some uh, third-rate uh, um, excuse me, Hollywood director, which I think was more than justified. I'd like to talk about some advances in science this week. Oh, would you now? Yes, I would. Uh, you can also, in the meantime, before I jump to um, uh, an article from sciencenews.org about uh, human immune system and the wonders of it, you can also go to my YouTube channel and check out part one of Oceanside for the uh, latest wedding vlog that I just dropped. It will be presented in two parts that has been agreed upon by, by the client, actually, that we'll be dropping them in two parts. Part one is definitely more G-rated, and part two, which I am actually working on right now, and hopefully slated for a drop sometime next week, will be also available on YouTube and will be of a, a, slightly, a slightly different theme also. Uh, in the meantime, also, if you are looking to have a, a, a jacket or a just a little side housekeeping note, if you're looking to have like a jacket or a pair of pants or something dry cleaned, you can do it at home yourself. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have any dry clean equipment or have uh, take it to a service. If you just have like a shower with really hot water, you can literally just keep it in there and that will allow the stiffness in the new fabric or in the old fabric to kind of loosen up a bit. And then you can just take some water and that will kind of open up the fabric and kind of straighten out a significant amount of the wrinkles. And if you have one of those irons where if you press the button, it just makes it makes more steam. Those are highly recommended too, especially if you're working with like something like satin, which is what I'm wearing, or excuse me, not satin, linen. Uh, that's a one way to go about it. Uh, I do like, right now I kind of, I, I don't really, I look like an old like 80s professor. Like, uh, yeah. Um, I look like an old ace, or like a lounge singer, uh, a lounge singer, or like a Doug, comedian Doug Stanhope. Kind of liking that. I'm kind of liking this look too. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of it. I might invest a little bit more in this. So, uh, courtesy of, of Ralph Lauren. But uh, I do want to get to this one. Might be a short podcast. So I did not. You ever you you wake up in the middle of the night 
uh, before your alarm goes off, it's like just random like because your dog decides to do like a little, you know, a little, not like a full on, but like a little, and you're just like, it, for some reason that just wakes you up out of whatever sleep you were in and then you can't sleep for the rest of the night. Uh, and then you wander, you just wander around the house. Like you're, you're, you obviously, you're looking for an intruder to justify your sleep, justify your disruption of sleep. You'd rather not find one. But they're there. But you rather not find one. But you want something to justify your sleep. You want to find like a box on the floor, or uh, uh, you, you know, an intruder trying to smash through the glass. You want to find something to justify the fact that now you got to go to bed and you got to get up in two to three hours. Um. So, I mean, sometimes you luck out. Like you wake up two hours later, and it's like, okay, good. I got another five hours. Okay, good. But no, you wake up and it's like. Uh, like fucking 45 minutes before your alarm goes off, that's when you really, that's when you're really pissed off. And your body's just not feeling it. Your legs are weak. Um, and you're like, oh no, I'm in a weak state. The coronavirus is going to get me. But yeah, that was kind of me this morning. So I'm kind of slacking. So if I call it short for a day, hey, that's okay. Uh, I do these bad boys twice a week. Um, anyways, let me put this book, to, let me put this book, to, I'm going to put it right next to me. There we go. So there was an article, uh, speaking of the amazing body, the amazing body, sciencenews.org uh, has an article regarding humans. The, the Well, first of all, the article itself says, in a first, a human's immune system fought HIV and won. Now, how in the H does that happen? So analysts of one point, analysis of 1.5 billion cells from this rare case found no trace of the virus. Uh, courtesy of Tina... Say, S-A-E-Y. If I said it wrong, Tina, I apologize. Mm. Dated August 26th. Some rare people may essentially be able to cure themselves of the HIV infections. Twice people infected with HIV had had levels of the virus in their bodies dropped at undetectable levels after bone marrow transplants, never, after bone marrow transplants, never to return. Now, it appears that a person may have cleared functional HIV with no outside help. If true, it would be the first known instance of a spontaneous cure. Analysis of more than 1.5 billion cells taken from a patient known as EC2 showed no functional HIV copies in any of them, researchers reported uh, in Nature magazine. The person still had some non-functional copies of the virus, while no one can say for sure that it, the intact virus isn't hiding in a cell somewhere in this person's body, the findings suggest that this person's immune system can get the upper hand, essentially eliminating the pernicious and persistent virus. A second person, EC1, had just one functional copy of HIV and more than 1 billion blood cells analyzed. And that copy of HIV was stuck in what is essentially a genetic supermax prison. The genetic lockup may be, may be key to being able to naturally control the virus. Those two people are part of a rare group of people known as elite controllers, meaning they are able to maintain a very low or undetectable levels of HIV without anti anti antiretroviral drugs. These people have no symptoms or clear signs of damage from the virus. So generally when you contract HIV, if you, if you it's left undetected and untreated, what happens is your T cell and your white cell or your white blood cell count drops dramatically, not allowing you to fight off any type of infections or viruses or bacteria or whatever. And then 
normally what happens in HIV is the person contracts some type of pneumonia and they just become really well they become really sick and pneumonia is a big killer and you get really sick and then at that point HIV becomes a syndrome you have AIDS acquired immune deficiency syndrome at that point at least in the 80s and the early 90s you were pretty much fucksville but what happened when it got big attention in the early 1990s when Irvin Magic Johnson, who played for the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, announced in a statement that he had a or he didn't have AIDS. He had the HIV virus, which at the time shook a lot of people because he was the first really big name superstar to contract it. Probably sleeping with a lot of the ladies. And then what are you going to have? But through a concoction of a, he, they caught it early and through a big cocktail of drugs, he was able to essentially beat the virus down to such a point where over 10 years, his detection levels were untraceable. So essentially, he was like one of the first people to not only live with it, but just beat it outright. And then a few years later, Charlie Sheen ended up with HIV, and through the same method, his levels were undetectable. And now after 20, 30 years of knowing about HIV and living with HIV, it was essentially, it was an epidemic. And it shut down, it, it was a big scare in the porn industry, excuse me, the adult film industry. It was a big deal. But now it's something that can be, it's if caught early or if caught in the HIV stage, there's a lot of treatments out there. It can be controlled. It's not a death sentence. Not anymore. Not anymore at all. So that's that says a lot. I mean, it took... Don't get me wrong. It took 20 years to get to that point. It took 20 years to get to that point. But if you, like like anything else, if you change your nutrition levels, you change your lifestyle, and with proper uh, healthcare supervision, what, it's one of those situations where, yes, you need healthcare supervision if you have HIV. They have infectious disease specialists designed for this situation. You can absolutely live with it safely. Now, as far as having partners or whatever, that's another discussion for that provider for you to discuss, you know, between you and your provider. But as far as you living on to see another day and still having a functional and, excuse me, enjoyable life, yeah, absolutely. But like I said, it's only been 20, 30 years. So continuing on with this article, it says that those two people are part of a rare group known as elite controllers, meaning they are able to maintain low, very low, or undetectable levels of HIV without uh, drugs, per se. These people have no symptoms or clear signs of damage from the virus. Quote, it's not even, it's not even that we're talking about a few months or a few years. It's extremely long term, said uh, Satya Dandekar, an HIV researcher at the University of California. Davis School of Medicine, who was not involved in the study, in contrast, for 99.5% of more of the world's 35 million people infected with the virus, drugs are the only way to keep the virus down. Researchers want to know how elite controllers quash the virus for long periods of time. It has been difficult to figure it out, Dandekar says, because no one has record been recorded to recorded the first fight scenes between HIV and the elite controller's immune systems. Quote, we missed the initial punches the immune system has thrown at the virus. And by the time anyone recognizes an elite controller, the fight is already won. 
About a quarter of elite controllers have genetic variants in key immune system genes that may help them get a handle on the virus, says Joseph Wong, a viral virologist virologist at the University of California, San Francisco. But that explains what's going on in only a minority of elite controllers and isn't something easily transferred to others, he says. It's possible that the elite controllers were infected with wimpy versions of HIV, which is basically like, for example, if you were when you get a vaccine, you get like a flu vaccine or a polio vaccine, you are getting a a nearly dead or fightable version of the vax of the actual virus. And then your body can easily fend it off, and then it now understands when the it builds antibodies. Essentially, soldiers that can recognize when a virus has entered the body, they're able to fight it off whenever they see it. Those are antibodies. It's possible that these elite controllers were infected with wimpy versions of the HIV uh, of HIV. So the researchers examined the HIV viruses embedded in DNA from the 64 elite controllers and 41 of HIV, 41 HIV infected people taking antiretroviral drugs. The elite controllers had maintained undetectable levels of the virus without drugs from one to two in EC2 case 24 years. The median was nine years. HIV is a retrovirus, which means that it stores its genetic information as RNA, an enzyme called reverse trans... Ooh, we're getting deep now. Hold on. Called rever- An enzyme called reverse transcript case, cr- transcriptase copies those RNA instructions into DNA, which can then insert, them, then insert into the host DNA. Reverse transcriptase is an error prone, often resulting in defective or incomplete copies of the virus. So the researchers went into the study thinking that elite controllers might be loaded with these non-functional versions, which can't make infectious, which ma- can't make infectious virus, says Zhu Yu, an immunologist at the Ragan Institute of MGH, MIT, and Harvard and Boston. I didn't follow all that, but maybe some of you smarty pants did. But to our surprise, that's not the case. Most elite controllers in the study have more intact viruses, so it wasn't like a wimpy, fucked out, you know, drug-reduced virus. It was an actual HIV virus. Uh, the studies had more intact viruses than inspected, than it's expected. They looked to see where the virus had landed in patients' DNA. In most people infected with HIV, the virus lands no- near or in genes, thanks to some human proteins that shepherd it there. But in the elite controllers, the virus was trapped in in gene poor parts of the human human genetic instruction book or genome. When it did land in or near genes, there were ones that were wrapped in a molecule equivalent of razor wire, which prevents the genes from being turned on. Collectively, those inactive, tightly guarded parts of the genome are known as heterochromatin. Plunking HIV in heterochromatin is like putting it in the trunk and then locking the trunk who uh, says Roth, who's not involved in the work. Those silenced copies of HIV might briefly stir and produce infectious virus, but it was mostly inert. So they were investigating whether elite controllers had a uh, propensity for steering the viruses to heterochromatin, but in lab dishes, those the guide proteins in elite controllers cells still direct HIV insertions in or near genes, just like what happens in the cells of other people. So it was like a normal thing. You get infected in HIV, so the, these these superhuman elite controllers of the HIV virus, uh, it's the same thing. It's the same situation where they get infected and it goes in, and it adapts itself to your DNA, and then from there they're like, okay, well, it's probably not that the elite controllers just got lucky at the beginning of the infection to get HIV uh, trapped in this, you know, DNA barbed wire. 
Let's see. Uh, the researchers think Elite Control's immune systems eliminated cells producing functional virus, leaving behind only broken copies of the virus and intact versions locked in heterochromatin. Exactly how the immune system manages that feat is un isn't known, at least not yet. It's very intriguing that they're proposing this. There's no evidence saying that it happens. Even so, she says, the study may hold hope for others infected with HIV. Once you figure out the mechanism this, that, by which this is working, maybe you can figure out what goes wrong in everyone else and fine-tune it. The researchers have eliminated some possibilities, but that hasn't solved the mystery yet of how elite controls achieve their status. The big question is, how do you do it? It's a cliffhanger in the paper. So, like... What they're trying to do is for anybody who contracts HIV, it's the same thing with like if you get like if you get COVID-19, depending upon which strand you get and how potent it is. They're trying to figure out how it gets in your uh, what happens when it's in your body, what stage it's at, and then how to control it or eliminate it. For example, when they talk about like hydrochloroquine or when they talk about zinc, or when they talk about vitamin D, the combinations of these supplements, it's like okay, how do you make the virus vulnerable, and then how do you stop it from replicating? And if obviously any cell that can't replicate eventually dies. That's the thing. The cells in your body replicate all the time. The, the immune system cells, your blood cells, all of them, they constantly replicate. And your job in your body is to make sure that you put in enough nutrients so that the, the new cells replicate properly and not like mutated-wise. And that the damaged cells get flushed out of your body uh, as quickly as possible so that you have healthy cells only in your body. Nothing mutates. Nothing turns cancerous. Well, the same thing with, like, if you get corona or you get HIV. They want to know how these things get into your system and how they replicate so that they can make them vulnerable once they're in your body and then stop them from replicating. Like, for example, when they talk about hydrochloroquine, it's like hydrochloroquine doesn't work uh, if you—hydrochloroquine apparently— uh, has like if for example the COVID nineteen has like a shell around it. It's like the force field uh around the Star Wars fucking Death Star. Once they're able to get the shield down, they're able to go in and blow the thing up. Same thing with hydro and like zinc and vitamin D. They're able to uh take the shield off the COVID nineteen cell and then the supplement or the pill goes in and stops it from replicating. Something to that essentially something to that effect. It's either the zinc that does it or the hydro that does it one of the two but those two in combination theoretically do it the hiv they're still in the stages of figuring out how that works and once they figure out like say they get a patient who is in the very beginning stages that has the strong elite controller dna they can then be like okay how do we replicate that into an actual vaccine so say somebody else has it we can figure out what stage it's at, give them whatever they need for a drug or a transplant, bone marrow transplant, or proper treatment to the point where they get down to enough cells where it's almost like they don't even have HIV. And that would be a major breakthrough. It would be a major, major breakthrough. It'd almost be like taking plan B uh, if you got knocked up with HIV. Next thing you know, you just take a pill and the fucking thing's gone. You know, you feel a little woozy or something for a couple of days, and that's it. You're just you're back to normal. That's essentially we will in the next twenty years have a vaccine for for the human for the human immune virus. We will absolutely. Uh, will we have one for COVID? I'm I'm thinking we will. I'm assuming. I'm more than likely we will, or we'll just because. Even though 
the coro- the, even though COVID is not as aggressive or, or as damaging as fucking polio, um, it's still because of the fact that so many people have shitty lifestyles and shitty eating habits and are fucking fat. That's the reason it hurt the it hurt the United States so much. People are run down, not sleeping, not eating right, and not physically taking care of themselves. That is exactly and depraved of sunlight and vitamin D. That is, I'm good. That's it. Okay, you you can't argue me on that point. It is exactly why people are so fucksville when it comes to SARS, SARS, CoV two, and COVID nineteen. That's exactly why, because it's an acute respiratory thing. And any time that you have pulmonary or cardio or heart respiratory issues, or your body is low in immunity, which generally is when you're fat, that's what happens. Something as normal like flu, like a, a tougher version of the flu. It's like, ah, I got the flu. You know, when you have the flu, you it takes you... A few weeks to kind of get back to some type of normal when you're working out. It takes a lot of strength out of you. SARS just does it to another level. And COVID just spreads so quickly that the people who were most likely just to get maybe get the flu this year, they get COVID. And it's designed to attack your, not designed, you know. Well, yeah, it is. It's, that's what SARS does. It goes for, it goes for your lungs and it fucks up your, your breathing. And there you go. That's it. You're all done. But people who are generally healthy in shape, they have the proper supplementation, they get plenty of, plenty of sleep, plenty of sunlight, they're fine. They're fine. So, I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, do we even need a vaccine or do we already have proper treatment? What's the news telling us? It's, it is one of those things where the, the data is wrapped in so much bullshit and the truth is out there, but they're just trying to turn it into another thing. And it's just a fucking mess. You know, I was reading about how they do, like, peer-reviewed studies and things like that. And uh, any type of data that you're trying to get out there. It's almost imp- – it's actually – I think Brett Weinstein said it's basically use. It's pointless. It's useless. It's hopeless at this point. Trying to find, like, the right data so that you can make a decision that best supplements your – best – does your health right? Does your daily routine right? It, it's basically impossible. Or it's not impossible if you take it upon yourself and you, and you only talk to yourself about it. As the minute you start telling other people about how you take care of yourself, it's one thing if you start telling people how you take care of yourself and then they start, it, it turns into another thing. But then you start telling them how you do it and maybe you should try this. Then it becomes something else. Because everything now is just turned into something else. Everything everything is is now polarized. So the bet it's 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 really like how do you make money? How do you take care of yourself? How do you work out? How do you live? What are your future plans? What is your philosophy on life? Everything now is politicized, everything else is polarized, everything else is just vindictive. So how do you just avoid it all? Well, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I mean, my my philosophy to my philosophy is at this point, well, besides the philosophy I read at the beginning of this podcast, it's fuck everybody and I know what's good for me. I know what's good for me. And I know how to rebound from a bad few days. 
I know how to supplement properly. And I, because I do that, I have to rely on people a lot less. Actually, I'm at the point where I don't rely on people at all for anything. I don't need, I don't. If I don't, I don't have to rely on anyone for anything. And it's fucking awesome. So that's why I'm in such a good position is because I'm not going out of my way to fuck myself. I think that right now, if people would stop spending their money less on stupid shit, they'd be far better off. But I think people want to go out of their way to spend money on stupid shit because it's just, it's just a way of feeling, feeling somewhat normal again. I don't know. I still see people filling up the drive throughs or trying to go to the malls. It's like, what are you doing? Do you have any idea what's about to happen? Do you realize how bad of a pullback we had last week? What potential crashes are on the horizon market-wise? And I don't think people are... People are just living on thin ice. Their fi their finances are on thin ice. Their relationships are on thin ice. Their employment's on thin ice. Their whole lives are on thin ice. And I don't think they plan on doing anything about it. I think they, I think they assume that this whole thing is going to crash eventually, and they're just like, fuck it. People are just nihilistic. People are just super nihilistic. But I do know some nihilists that they're more like, they, they've come to appreciate how bad things can get. They understand how bad things can get. But they're more like, well, I know I'm going to prepare for it. So, and don't get me wrong. I wish I was more prepared than I was, but I put my, I mean, I'm eliminating as many mistakes as I can. And it's hard to be perfect all the fucking time. You know, like when I go and shoot a wedding, like I did last, when I did the wedding a couple weeks ago, it's, it, you can't always get the perfect angle. You can have a hundred, I had 125 videos, 125 move, uh, video clips with like five to six different cameras. And you, you look at it and I mean, just as when you look at the raw data, it's like, God, this is all shit. These angles were, I could have done so much better with all my angles. Yeah, but you can't script anything. A wedding is the one thing you truly you think it's you think a wedding would be the most scripted thing out there. You know, they 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 do the reveal at this time. They walk down the aisle at this time. They cut the cake at this time. They do the first dance at this time. You know, the vows are no. It doesn't work like right. There's the this person's always late. This microphone's not working. This person hasn't showed up. The the, the you know and it's. And you have to work around that. And then you have to create a whole story behind that. So you're like, for example, your diet would be perfect for you or at least works for you, but it may not necessarily work for others. Like, I think the first, you know, what's funny. I was, I was watching a podcast where this woman was like, she takes care of herself. She does all this stuff. She goes to counseling and she's just, you know, she's prime, but she's just constantly depressed but she's also a vegan. So I'm like, in my little meat-headed brain, I'm like, the first thing I would think is like, if I'm constantly depressed, 24-7, I do everything I can. I work out, I run, I, do, I see counseling, I don't take any medications, and I don't eat meat. What's the first thing I would do? I just, as a, as a carnivore, as a, you know, an omnivore, the first thing I'd do would be like, well, eat a piece of beef. And just see how, just see how I respond the next day. I don't know. It's worth a shot. It's worth a sh it's worth a shot. I mean, what else do you have to lose if you're constantly depressed 24/7 and having to rely on medication just to feel functional? 
it's definitely worth trying the things that maybe you were so vehemently against in the first place. I mean, that's I, that's just a thought of mine. Because if we're able to do wonderful things like, first of all, beat COVID within a matter of some people in a couple days, some people are able to beat the HIV virus, something that was just that killed it was so many people in the 80s. Who's to say we can't just by literally changing your diet just a little bit? Maybe that changes your total outlet. Maybe that's the one that one thing that's triggering that chemical imbalance in your head. You realize just the kids nowadays, kids nowadays that have they don't they don't eat very well. A lot of them don't eat. They eat a lot of manufactured processed food. So by the time that they turn 15 or 16 or 17, they have allergies, they have iron deficiencies, and they're also fucking weaklings these things could and at the most vital points in their life when they're growing up are some of the most important times to be taking in that amount of nutrients so that they have a healthier existence i'm just curious if that happens to be the case that we've kind of gone away from some of the core basic uh, values and nutrition methods for fighting off like shit like this which is essentially a nothing burger but now it's brought countries to a screeching halt. And I, I mean, as far as HIV, if I had HIV in the 90s, that's, an, I, I, that's not something I would be able to have uh, conquered myself. No. Mm-mm, no way, shape, or form. That would not have been something that I could have done all on my own. So the, but as far as COVID, I, I, have, have full confidence that is something that if I contracted it, I would know how to beat it easily within a matter of, I would say seven days, five to seven days. I would be fine. I would be fine. I am. People would look at me like, are you, are, you know, a lot of people would look at me and be like, you're fucking crazy. It's killed so many people. Okay. Yeah. Just keep thinking that it's thinking like that. That does get people killed actually. No, I would have complete confidence that I would be able to tear that motherfucker apart and I would be uh, back to doing whatever I was doing, at least uh, at, a, at a significant percentage, within a matter of days. I'm not, I mean, who fucking cares? I don't, I don't, it does not care. It does not concern me at all. It only concerns me about other people inflicted by this that uh, are not taking care of themselves. So... But I, I think it's an it's an amazing thing that you know there's a research that of HIV that killed so many people in the 80s and early 90s, and now all of a sudden it's like people get it, and then they just move on with their day. Oh, I got HIV. It's like fucking genital herpes. Move on with your day. No big deal. Uh, what's we got 33 minutes? Let's go ahead and just move to some Q and A. I'm just I'm I'm a little tired today. Uh, okay, I'm very tired today. So I'm just going to go ahead and move on to these, and we'll close up shop for today. So let's just see what kind of uh, insanity is going on in the world besides the usual. Uh, okay, so here we go. Should I buy a house with my husband even though he hasn't let me see the house? My husband of three years, Todd, told me that we should try to buy a house instead of continuing to rent. I told him that sounded wonderful. I have a lot of issues with him. So his behavior during this buying a house process should, unfortunately, not surprise me. So why'd you marry him? But he has really crossed some big boundaries lately. He has found a house and has a realtor. But he will not take me to any of these meetings with the realtor, and he will not even take me to see the house. 
I feel he is being very unfair and hurtful to me. I am now feeling that maybe I should consider divorcing him if he is unable to treat me like I matter during the process of buying our first home. Buying a home should be a journey that we do together. He is deliberately keeping me from being involved in this special process. It's like he's part of the big event and I'm being left on the sidelines. The house he selected is beautiful, but I feel like he is treating me very poorly. Should I walk away from this very hurtful situation? I have tried to express to him my feelings and concerns, but he doesn't seem to care. He actually already took his mother to see the house, but he has yet to take me and, and I'm his wife. This does not seem normal or appropriate in any way. Well, I guess we'll start with the most obvious question. If this is a purchase of both of you and you intend on and your plan is to be on the mortgage, well look at look. If you were gonna buy a car and your name was gonna be on your name was gonna be on the loan, I think you'd wanna see and drive the car before you bought it, right? Well, if if the obvious case is yes, you're gonna be on the mortgage or the deed or on any paperwork concerning this house, yes, you should absolutely see it and well, actually, have you seen the house? You see, I tried to express to him, he doesn't seem to care. All right, hold on. I feel like he's being unfair. Da, 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 da. Keep me from. It's like he's. Okay. The house he selected is beautiful. Okay. So you said that he hasn't shown you the house. Hold on a second here. Let's back up. Let me make sure that I'm not being fed a load of bullshit. All right. Uh, my husband of three years told me. Da, 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 da. I told him he sounded wonderful. I have a lot of issues with him. All right. Well, that's don't nothing. Um, he has really crossed some boundaries lately. He has found a house and has a realtor, but he will not take me to any of the meetings with the realtor, and he won't even take me to see the house. So, but you said down here at the bottom that the house he selected is beautiful. So how do you know anything about the house? But he hasn't taken you to see the house. What has he told you? What's what, what am I missing here? here? I can take your word for it, and we can go strictly on your side of the fence as far as uh, him doing things without consulting you or anything like that but you said up top he hasn't taken you to see the house but then at the bottom you said the house he selected is beautiful so that that is a question that is a concern here are you telling me the whole truth about the situation or are you painting it or are you building a house of cards that i'm missing the point here so if he doesn't seem to care or whatever if you just don't feel right in the relationship then yes call it quits leave Take whatever was originally belonging to you and move on with your day. Don't make it even don't make it a big situation. Just be like, listen, you want to go there, you want to move in there, it's on you. I'm not attaching my name to this house. I feel like I'm being treated poorly and get out of the situation. You don't need to make a big deal out of these things. I understand. It's a mortgage. It's your relationship. It's your marriage. It's your life. It's your life's work. You put so much time and effort into it. Then but at the same time you need to just consider leaving and starting your own, starting all over again. People do it all the time. Uh, it sucks, but that's part of life. You hit a wall and you have, you felt like you died a little bit, and then you have to start all over. That's fucking life. So you have to, at this point, if you feel like you're just not being part, you're not even part of the conversation when it comes to where your life is going to begin. At least with this gentleman, then you need to just leave. You need to quit and get a divorce and since you're the female in this scenario you can get out relatively unscathed just be like listen i'm leaving i'm taking whatever savings or whatever and just moving on you're renting right now which means you owe nothing at the end of the rent 
So you can just either stay where you're renting or find a place that better suits your budget or a house that better suits your budget and go from there. Unless you're financially dependent on them, which you shouldn't. I don't like to be financially dependent on anybody, and I'm not financially dependent on anyone. I'm in a situation where I control, I now control my own destiny. So, but in this case, if you are going to get a house together, yes, you should absolutely look at it. If, if you weren't, then let him make the decisions. If you're not going to be on the mortgage, then, you know, your opinion does, in my opinion, matter less. If he's the if he's the one responsible for being on the mortgage and paying paying the vast majority of it, then yeah, power more to him. Or if it was you, power more to you. Yes, I know you can take some things into consideration, but if if you're both going to be on the mortgage, you both need to see it, you both need to walk through it, and you both need to make decisions regarding it. Otherwise, what's the point in in, in being together? I get it. There's give and take, different people, different things. But if your name's going to be on that mortgage, you need to see the house and you need to have input. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like when you get something like that, when you move into a house that you didn't necessarily buy, that took effort to get, life's work to get, and you weren't a part of the process, it doesn't feel, you don't feel like you're at home. You don't, you, I don't, I don't, think you would feel like you're at home you just kind of like yeah I, I live there that's my house you know but you kind of don't feel like you belong you feel like an imposter so if what you're saying is legit I would yeah I would have some serious doubts and I would if you're buying a house with that with him or just in buying a house with anybody in general yeah I would have serious doubts and I would not pull the trigger on it because right now well anytime it's a serious risk and right now, you can't really take that much risks. So I would bail. I would actually just bail altogether. Next topic. Here's the question. Was I wrong to ask my... This is from dig.com Q&A, by the way. Just anybody who wants to go and see the questions in the actual written form of it. Was I wrong to ask my stepsister if she could introduce me to a sugar baby? I just came out of a toxic divorce. I messed around online and found out my 23-year-old stepsister had several profiles on sugar daddy websites. She still lives with our parents and has college loans. My mom thinks she does web design. <laughs> my mom thinks she does web design. In the most awkward email of my life, I told her she needs to clean her accounts and come up with an alias. This will haunt her later in life and ruin her reputation uh, now, plus it will kill our parents. Yeah, probably. She never responded, but her accounts vanished. I tried to get back in the dating game, but realized I have too much baggage. I want sex, but I don't want to have an emotional capacity to commit to anyone. I emailed my stepsister and asked her if she had any friends she could recommend for a short-term sugar daddy situation. She called me a pervert and went on a ludicrous rant about my character. I told her not to be coy. She was selling sex. She doesn't get the high moral ground here. She threatened to tell her father. I told her I would, would be there with popcorn. I told her that I don't think <laughs> what she ha was doing was shameful, but neither was me asking about it. She cursed me out and then blocked me. Now our parents are wondering about the rift. I had told them to ask. I told them to ask my stepsister. We didn't grow up together, but I thought we had a fairly civil relationship. What's my next move here? Ah, eh, you just leave it alone. I mean, at this point, you know, siblings, step siblings, they, you know, there's always a fight there. If you don't want to talk, look. 
at this point, you're an individual. If you don't want to talk to somebody or if you want to pr- go after being a sugar mama or whatever, sugar daddy, that's that's you. You can do whatever you want. If you're just trying to get through life and that doesn't mentally, or at least you don't think it does, mentally affect you and you can go ahead and do that, do it. Women do it all the time. Guys do it all the time. People do it all the time. Yeah, she doesn't get the moral high ground. I get that, but who, what do you fucking care? You tried to ask her for advice, and it didn't pan out. It, it didn't pan out at all. So, all right, whatever. It's like you know, like playing a video game, and you die in the very beginning. You just hit the reset button and start all over again. At this point, what do you care? You need to, th- you need to be more methodical and less emotional. So what? You don't have a stepsister for a little while. Fuck it. Who cares? Move on with your day. Uh, that's your next move. Just move on. And if you want to go find a sugar daddy, go find a sugar daddy. So anyways, let's keep going here. Am I being a jerk for being hurt that my much younger girlfriend supports her friends in the same way she supports me? I, I'm a 30-year-old male, have been dating my girlfriend, Jean, 21-year-old female, for about a year now. Part of what I love about her most is that she's so supportive of me. I'm stuck in a dead-end job, really unhappy with where I am in life, and currently, let's see, where I am in life currently. So getting to hear her talk me up and tell me how awesome I am on doing probably is one of the few things that actually gets me through the day. When she tells me I'm great, I call those power words. Because knowing someone has as hot, successful, and as cool as she thinks I'm doing really gets me fired up. Recently, we got together with a Zoom meeting with some of our friends. One of our friends, Trish, was mentioning that she was nervous for a driving exam. So Jean was trying to reassure her which would she would be fine, except she used the exact same phrasing she uses when she's powering me up. I got really upset and stayed quiet for the rest of the movie. When she asked me what was wrong, I told her the truth. I feel like she shouldn't be wasting my power words on other people. I need them most when she says things like, oh, I think you're the most incredible guy ever. And then she goes and tells friends that she thinks she's incredible. That's really disheartening. It makes me feel like nothing she says is real. I've got a big project at work coming up soon, and now I can't get hyped because I really know whatever she tells me is meaningless. I've really never hurt her feelings by saying her platitudes were meaningless, but I just feel betrayed. Am I an asshole in this situation? Hmm. Well, look, you should be in charge of getting your own, yourself hyped up. And look, maybe she's one of those fake it till you make it kind of out, outer layer uh, support, you know, supportive type people. And that's just who she is. And she just kind of gives out platitudes just because she wants everybody to be winners. Chase, you got to get my puppy here. Yeah, come over here. There you go, pal. So she's just trying to give stuff out. And if it doesn't work for you, yeah, hey, you know what? You can only feed from that basket for so long. And eventually somebody's going to, quote, move your cheese and you got to go find your platitudes and your energy levels and your hypeness. You're hyping up somewhere else. You know, it worked for a while. You felt betrayed. But I mean, at least you should at least bring it up. Be like, listen, you know, this is kind of how I feel. If that's kind of how you talk to other people uh, the same way, then maybe we shouldn't do that. I mean, it's Look, it's going to be look, uncomfortable conversations in relationships should be had anyways. You should always have unco- like uncomfortable conversations when they bring about. It's an absolute must, at least at some point. So you should definitely have them, have them with her and whatever it leads to, it leads to. But look, you got to be at least comfortable with yourself, and it's okay if you're wrong. You can be 
uncomfortable and wrong. You just got to bring it up. And it's okay. And as long as you're being honest with your with your other, it's cool. I don't consider you an asshole. You just, your feelings are hurt, man. That happens. And you're also, remember, you're 30. She's 21. You're on different wavelengths. Emotionally and intelligently. I'm not saying 21-year-old women are stupid. <laughs> but I'm saying that she is on a different wavelength. Her energy levels are different. And, you know, maybe you're a little jealous, too. But jealousy is kind of okay. It's fine. I mean, you can be jealous in, in many different ways other than the fucking dude's hitting on my girl. I'm going to go smack his face. It's, de- it's not always like that, you know. But at this case, you just, look, by being honest and understanding what you're trying to convey is a first step. And then just seeing where it takes you. But you're not an asshole, if you bottle it up, you could end eventually be an asshole. But that's kind of where I lay on that. Let's keep banging this out. How should... Oh, God. HR. Not again. Here we go. Another HR one. How should I tell HR that I don't think they should have written that I seem fragile on a shared public document? We have a company SharePoint in which policies, procedures, guides, and other documents are stored for employees to research and reference for information. When navigating through it recently, I found a list of employees and, insi- and assigned mentors. Mentors, excuse me. Employees generally have assigned mentors who help us on our career development. When I scrolled down the assignment list and found my assigned mentor, I found they changed my mentor. The HR director commented why they were changing my mentor assignment and then commented that I seemed a bit fragile and that I would feel more comfortable having my previous mentor be my mentor since she's a strong woman. I am not sure where the HR director would get this idea of my character or why they would feel to post it publicly. If they were aware that it was public, I've never made any complaints to HR and don't have any performance issues. How would I confront HR about the fact that the comment is publicly viewable to anyone viewing the mentor assignment list? I don't feel comfortable with anyone else seeing it and think it should be made private. Um, I don't think this is, I think there's something amiss here. I think, first of all, anything in human resources should not be made public. That there, your file should be private. And I can only imagine when you walk into an environment, if you say you start a job, whatever your HR profile is, they have them now. Whatever your personality profile is, um... Whatever it is, it's never good. It's almost like a scouting report for a fucking quarterback uh, when coming out of college. And it's not something you'd like to talk about. And it's something that will, it will always hurt your feelings. But HR is never, it's never good. And they don't give a shit. So their, their, their job is to profile you and put you in a position that best suits whatever their goal is as a company. And who the hell knows what that is now. But... How do you confront HR? I think right now, if anything to do, if you work for a company and you think that there's something out of place, I would seek outside counseling. I would. I would just right away seek outside counseling and see what they say. Because right now, the fleecing of employees on America as far as their production value, what they're doing, how they util- how they use you and abuse you, and when they're done with you, expend you, or uh, is insane. So the idea that if you have something, you see something that's out of out of whack, you should consult an external HR firm or legal counsel or whatever. 
because you're they're essentially saying that you a bitch in a public setting. That's not acceptable. Not, I mean, it's it's not acceptable. It's not it's not cool. So for them to just cover it up, be like, oh, I'm sorry, that shouldn't have been because all they're gonna be like, oh, sorry, that shouldn't have been uh, viewable to the pup to any employee. You know, and they're just gonna change the formatting on it. Look. You are out to take care of you. If you work for a corporate company, you are out only to take care of you and get ahead. At this point, who gives a shit about the company and speaking to them first because you wanted to play by the rules. There is no playing by the rules anymore. Agreeable people in a workplace are the first to get fucked and stiffed out of money, raises, anything, uh, uh, promotions, Huge opportunities. You got to be disagreeable. You got to be a prick. You do that, and you'll be able to get le- you'll be able to get more for far less. Forget about HR. They're not going to help you. They're not going to help you. Their job is to explain things in such a way that have minimal legal blowback. So you have to consult somebody outside the workplace and bring all this information with you quietly. And explore your options that way. That's what that's what I recommend to you. All right. Let's see here. Um, so let's finish on this topic. Should I end my marriage because my husband refused to say that I am a very lucky wife? I'm going to read that again. Should I end my marriage because my husband refused to say that I am a very lucky wife. My husband and I have been married for over 20 years. Recently, we were watching TV, and the husband in the TV show was asked what kind of wife he had. His reply was, a very lucky one. I asked my husband what kind of wife he had. He replied, human. What kind of reply was that? Couldn't he replied with lucky or some other compliment? Is my marriage in trouble or over? I was beyond hurt. Uh... Okay, I'm pretty sure there's a joke there. I'm pretty sure there's some sarcasm, some heavy sarcasm there. I think you just need to lighten up. That's a passive way. I I do stuff often like that. I'm very sarcastic. I'm always going for the joke uh, because right now people take themselves far too seriously and they need to just chill the fuck out. And I think in your situation where you're like, oh, he said human? Uh, they did the guy, the guy in the TV. That's not even real. Uh, he said his girl, his wife is lucky. Is my marriage, lo- is my marriage trouble? Is it over? What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna live? What's gonna happen to my kids? You need to calm down. You need to calm down. They didn't mean that. I mean, there's, a, I mean, first of all, there's definitely a lot of insecurity there, and you need to explore those insecurities. I don't know what type of husband you have. I'm sure there's some issues there as well, but maybe you could explore that differently. And if he just tells you, hey, chill out. I was kidding. Guess what? Chill out. He was kidding. That's that's it. Lady, you got to calm down. There's nothing wrong. And you know what? I'm going to say something for all the clingy bitches out there. All you clingy ladies, you're, you're clingy. You, you you like to say I love you a lot or you, um, you're just cuddly. Look, I'm going to say something right now to you girls. There's nothing wrong with you. Nothing. Okay? If you are a clingy girl... You are generally always like to be around. As long as you can take a joke 
All right. And and can separate from your from your significant other as far as let them go out and do stuff. Okay? And you that's fine. If you're clingy like that and you like to say all that stuff and you like to be around it and you are obviously understanding of it, there's nothing wrong with you. There's all right with being that type of – it's – yeah, I'm going to say it. There's nothing wrong with that. Guys should be lucky to have those type of girls. I know. We want the strong, independent type that will just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Guess what? That's a different animal. You're not going to – that's a, that's a different animal, and they have a different personality. But I'm going to say that. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, you want to be a strong, independent woman? Great. If you want to be a clingy, slightly insecure girl who, you know, just – Likes you, that's the way you want to be. There's a ton of them out there. There's nothing wrong with that either. There isn't, at least in my, I mean, in my eyes. If you want to be that way, or if you are that way, and you kind of worry a lot, or maybe you're just like, oh, you know, I just, I always, I miss him and things like that, and I just always want to be around him. That's cool too. That's cool too. Don't think there's something wrong with you. And guys, you should be, you should be lucky if you get a girl like that. Really. I know the guys are kind of, the, a lot of guys are the alpha types or the more like, leave me alone. Come on, just a little appreciation. You know, understand that that girl will do anything for you. So, that no, that's cool. But this chick, I think, is just a little too insecure. He needs to calm down a bit and understand her husband's sense of humor because guys have a completely different sense of humor. I don't know about the beta fucktards that are that are growing up right now who eat too much soy, but the guys I I know, they're we got we got strong sarcasm in our veins, and it's perfectly fine. So, lady, just take it for what it is, just a cracking joke. All right, we are at fifty-five minutes. I'm gonna close up shop for today. I'd like to thank you all for listening and watching and subscribing. Uh, you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, anywhere where podcasts are available, CastBox, PodBay, po uh, anywhere where podcasts are available. You can also find it and stream it from PositiveSarcasm.com. Questions, concerns, comments, PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com, or you can just contact me directly through my website. Uh, supporting the website is easy, PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, or Venmo at Positive Sarcasm. Posing music, questions, concerns, comments, YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast. Check out my latest part one, Oceanside, on YouTube. Check out all my wedding vlogs. You, you can definitely see an improvement over the past two to three years of me doing them. I got more coming up, and I'm working on one for, I'm working on a contract for one in December. So a, a winter wedding. Ooh, that'll be a good one. Until then, thank you for listening and watching and subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. Recorded here. From the Spare Parts Studio. Oh, I can't even fucking see with these things on. Let me take those off. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm.
this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.